morning. Well, the Lord's good to us, isn't he? Oh, come on, Pastor. I just sense his presence today. I sense the Holy Spirit this morning. You know, that's what a that's what a mama bird does. She broods, she hovers, Brother Turbin, she spreads out her wings over her, her young. I sense the Holy Spirit today. Just hovering over us. Would you just raise up your hand one more time where you are today? Would you just would you acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit that He's here today in this place? Would you do that? Spirit of God, we acknowledge your presence today. We welcome you today. I'm going to ask you to take a Bible today. My uh, media guys, we're just going to go ahead and we're going to ditch that PowerPoint because I'm going another direction this morning. <coughs> you should turn to the book of Luke with me today. Chapter 15. My intention this morning was to start a series on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to delay that today because I feel like and I sense that the Holy Spirit just whispered to my heart sitting on this front row during this song. And I'm going to take a chance here today. And just communicate what I feel the Lord wants me to say today. I'll let you remain seated. Luke chapter 15 <clears throat> contains what we know as parables. You know, Jesus often taught in parables. They were illustrated stories that the master would use to convey or to communicate a truth to his listeners or his hearers. Parables were stories that were not necessarily something that really happened, but it was a story that Jesus would use to drive home a point. And in this 15th chapter of Luke, there's a theme that weaves its way through this entire chapter. And if I could choose a theme for chapter 15, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost touching me this morning. Because it's a little bit of a, it's a little unnerving to me to kind of step out and communicate like this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyways. And the theme that weaves its way through Luke 15 is this, lost things matter to the Father. And the first part of Luke chapter 15 opens up and Jesus tells the story of a lost sheep. And a shepherd 
And he talks about the fact that if that shepherd who was tending that flock of a hundred sheep, if just one of those sheep were lost, that the shepherd would leave the 99 that were there and would go to find that one sheep that was lost. And while the 99 were important to him, and that was the majority of the flock, if one got away, he couldn't let one stay lost because lost things matter to the Father. Jesus continues this theme. There's a second story he tells in Luke 15 about a lost coin. About this lady who has this this coin, this ten silver coins that are pretty wealthy, that was a fair amount of money. But those ten coins, Jesus said, if she lost one of those ten coins, she would light a lamp, she would sweep the house, and she would search high and low to find the one lost coin. You know why? Because lost things matter to the Father. Let me get to this third parable. And there is this story about this man that had two sons. Let me, let me read it to you. Tony, you, you okay to stay there and just give me some background? I about killed him last week. He played for three hours. Here's what Jesus said. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me so that the father divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son had gathered all together, he got his share of the father's inheritance. He journeyed to a far country, got far away as he could from his father. Thought that if he just had the inheritance and his part of the wealth that belonged to him, he could go out and he could live life, experience life. And he could get far enough away from the covering of the Father and from the guidelines and the boundaries that the Father had said. And he just determined, I can do life by myself. I don't need my father. I don't need my mother. I don't need my brother. I can do all of it by myself. And watch what he said. He journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted his possessions with, the Bible calls it prodigal living or riotous or wasteful living. Theologians and commentators will tell you that that young man squandered his inheritance and pretty much he lived a party life, for lack of a better term. Lived it up. They say he probably drank it up. Probably found him some women because he had enough money he could pay for sexual favors. Squandered everything that he had. But when he had spent all, every single penny of the inheritance that the Father had given to him, he spent it all. 
that there arose a severe famine in that land and began to be in want. See, here's what I believe. The young man didn't have enough wisdom to even be on his own to begin with. He didn't realize, Brother Turpin, that a famine was coming. And he had not prepared for a rainy day. You know why? Because he didn't think that he needed his father anymore and he could do it by himself. He thought he could live life without the father. I'm going to tell somebody today, you may have lived this earthly life without a father, maybe because death took him or maybe because he was simply absent and made no investment in your life. And I believe today that there are some folks that your, your relationship with the Heavenly Father is fragmented because of the relationship you've had with your earthly father. And I want to tell somebody today, there's no way you can make any type of comparison to an earthly father who let you down and a heavenly father who sits on ready wanting you to come and to climb up into his lap and to feel his embrace and to sense his love and to experience his affirmation. And why? Why, even though that your earthly father has disappointed you and let you down, I promise you that the Heavenly Father will never, ever do that to you. We sang about it a little while ago. He's a good Father. I don't know who I'm preaching this for, but I'm going to work my way through this text, and I'm really, I'm not going to preach much longer. He spent all that he had. There's a severe famine and began to be in want. Then he went, and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He became pretty much a bond servant, a slave. Went to work for somebody. And the, and the boss sent him into his fields to feed the swine or to feed the pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods or the slop that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Nothing. And he was reduced. Jesus paints this picture to a one-time wealthy young man who is now broke, busted, disgusted, and nobody will give him anything to eat. And the best he can do is to wait by the trough for the slop bucket to come by and feed him. But when he came to himself, something dawned on this young man. This light bulb went off in his head. He came to himself. Ever been in that place when you've made horrible, terrible choices and decisions? And you've made a decision based on how you feel and what you think. And you haven't looked far enough down the road to see the end results and what the disaster is going to be. And what the consequences are going to be. And what the season of reaping is going to be like. Because sometimes, listen, we just live in the moment and we operate based on how we feel. And we don't think far enough down the road. He had no idea when he left the covering of his father's house that day, he'd be eating slop with the pigs. He had no idea he wouldn't have a, a dime left to his name. We never think about the consequences when we make the choices that we make. I just feel like there might be some lost people in here today. Not in a sense of not knowing where you are in a geographical location, 
but lost in a spiritual sense that you're wandering aimlessly around looking and trying to find something to fill the void in your heart, in your life. You've tried everything that you know and nothing seems to work. And you continue to wander aimlessly around, hoping, wishing, looking for something to fill the void. I'm telling you today that there's something that will fill the void of your life. And it is not wealth, and it's not riches, and it's not a relationship, and it's not a job. But I'm telling you the only thing that will fill the brokenness of your life and the void in your heart in your life is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You might be lost, but you don't have to stay lost. Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you. He gave his life for you, and he wants to have fellowship with you today. He came to himself, and he said, how many of my father's hired, hired servants have bread enough and to spare my father's hired servants have enough food to eat and then some. And here I perish with hunger. Now watch this. I will arise. I'm going to my father. I'm going to make an altar call, so just stay right there with me, buddy. I'm going to arise. I'm going to go to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. That's the first step in being restored to the Father is admitting and acknowledging that you've messed up. It's admitting and it's, and it's acknowledging that you've missed the mark. Now, I don't know what the young son was expecting. I don't know what the young son was hoping for. But here's the deal. Whatever he was expecting, whatever he was anticipating the father was going to do, I think that's not what the father did. I think that he probably thought in his mind, when I get there, dad's going to be so upset and so angry and so mad. Now watch. I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Let me give you a practical, everyday example that happened this morning. We were in a little bit of a crunch for time today. Not because of me, not because of my wife. Now, that only leaves two more people in the house. I don't have a dog and I don't have a cat. So there's two teenagers that occupy my dwelling with me. And we were pushed for time. Probably because they were on their electronic devices too late. And I stirred them and I continued to stir them and I stirred them. I mean, even the hope of a decent breakfast couldn't get him going. So finally, I told Kelly, I'm going downstairs. I need to have my quiet time before I get to church. You deal with it. Because I'd already threatened. So I get upstairs. And I said, at five after nine, we're walking out the door because we're not going to be late for Sunday school. And I walk upstairs, and it's right, I mean, almost at the top of the hour, Pastor Tony, and there's one of them sitting at the table, eating those cinnamon rolls for all that he's worth. I didn't even say anything. I looked at him. He said, I got an excuse. I got a good excuse. I'd be ready, but I had a nosebleed. It lasted over 10 minutes. 
To which I said, if you'd have got up 10 minutes earlier, we wouldn't be in this problem. Right? And he had a reason as to why. I don't know what he was expecting. I know what he was expecting when I got up the stairs. But I was going to chew on him a little bit. To which I didn't say much. But listen, here's what I believe. This son had an expectation of what he thought the father was going to say. And he said, I'm going to rise and go to my father, and I'm going to say, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now make me like one of your hired servants. I don't even have to come back in and be your son, Dad. I just want to be your servant. And he arose. Now watch this. And he came to his father. Brother Turpin, I'm going to let you help. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to let you help me. I need a, come here, Pastor. I need somebody a little younger today. Come here, Pastor Jeremy. I got to be the father. Come over here, Pastor Jeremy. Go all the way down there. Watch this. I'm going to illustrate this to you. Here's what he said in verse 20. And he arose and he came to himself. But when he was still a great way off, the Bible said his father saw him. You can't see somebody unless you're looking for them. Ooh, I'm about to preach. I feel that moon walking anointing on me. Here's what I believe. When he was still a long way off, I believe the father, Brother Turpin, had been standing at the end of that road. And I believe that every day he had walked out to that road and said, I wonder if today's the day. I wonder if today my boy's coming home. And the father just kept looking. And the father just kept hoping that maybe I'll see him walking down. Maybe. Day after day, I believe he went out, Aunt B, and he scanned the horizon. Where's my boy? Where's my boy? And you think, I think the father knew what his son had done. I think the father probably had gotten some kind of report or some kind of message. Man, your boy is messed up. I mean, he is eating pig slop. He's wasted every dime you gave him. He's done things that we're afraid to tell you about. But that didn't stop the father from looking for his boy. And listen, in spite of what that son had done, and I believe I'm convinced the father knew, he just kept saying, maybe. Maybe today the Father looked for him. I want to tell. I feel the Holy Ghost right here. I want to tell somebody today, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what kind of lifestyle that you've ever lived. There is a Father in heaven who loves you with an everlasting love. He's been looking for you. He's been longing for you. And more than anything else, He wants to have a relationship with you. Watch now. And when he was still a long way off, here's what the Bible said. His father saw him. And watch the next thing. He had compassion on him. That means, that word compassion means that the most inter, innermost part of that father's beings, being, the word literally means that his inner bowels, the deepest part, 
yearned with sympathy. He had compassion. He didn't, listen, when he saw him, he didn't say, here comes that no good, sorry, rotten, rebellious son of mine. He's shamed our family. He's shamed our family name. He's wasted all of my money. No, that's not what he said. He had compassion on him. Watch this. He saw him, had compassion on him, and the Bible says he ran. He didn't walk. But when he got out to that road that day, Gene Turpin, and scanned that horizon and saw his boy, his heart skipped a beat. His heart felt something. I'm convinced that tears begin to flow down the face of that father. I believe that his shoulders begin to, to heave back and forth as he said, my boy, my boy. And the Bible says, watch this now, he ran to him. He ran to him. Now, I'm not going to do what the next part says. I ain't kissing you. The Bible said he ran to him. He kissed him and he fell on him. He fell on him and he embraced him. And he said, son. He called him son. He didn't call him servant. He called him son. And he kissed him and he fell on him. And he fell on his neck and he embraced him. If that's not a picture of who our Father is, thank you, son. You can sit down. Now watch. I'm closing. And he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And his son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven. And, I, and in your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I want to tell you something today. None of us in this place that have received the grace and the mercy of Christ, none of us are worthy of what we have received. None of us. So don't, listen, don't, you know, when we think about the goodness and the grace of God and, oh, I'm not worthy. We know we're not worthy. Stop it. Quit. With all of this, I'm not worthy and I don't deserve it and I'm a scumbag. We all are. I think sometimes folks get a, they fall into this false humility. I'm not worthy. We know it. I know it. I'm not worthy. You're not worthy. I'm not worthy to be called his son. You're not worthy to be called his son or to be called his daughter. You're made worthy because of what he's done. He makes you worthy. Watch. Here's what the father said. He said to the servant, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and put sandals on his feet. That's one of my favorite parts of the story right here. And bring out the fatted calf and kill it and let's eat. And let's be merry. Now watch this. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they begin to be merry. He was lost, but he's found. He was dead, 
But now he is alive again. And they had this celebration of a lifetime. If you read the story, the eldest son missed the party. The eldest son missed the party because he couldn't understand, Father, I've stayed with you. I haven't squandered what you've given me. I've always been here. And yet you've never given me a ring and you've never put a robe on me and you've never killed the calf and you've never had a party. Why'd you do it for him? He said, because you've always been here with me. You've always been in my fellowship and in relationship with me. But this boy, your brother was dead, but now he's alive. He's lost, but now he's found. I'm telling you, there's a party of all parties that went on that day. Because the lost had been found. And I conclude today with this. That this lost theme weaves its way through Luke 15. And says to you and says to me that lost things matter to God. And this story of the prodigal son says to me, God is looking for you. It says to me that God is longing for you. And it says to me that God loves you. He's looking for you. Because here's what I believe today. And I may be dead wrong and I may be way off and not one person may respond to the invitation I'm going to give in a moment. And if that's the case, then we'll just chalk it up to a pastor that missed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But I don't believe that. There's some of you today, God's looking for you because you've been gone way too long. You've been away far too long. And you've tried all of the stuff. But it hasn't worked. And you say, Pastor, there's no way today. There's no way. That the Father would be looking for me. Sure he is. He's looking for you. What's he looking for, Pastor? He's looking for you to come and be embraced by him and to experience all that he has. He's looking for you. Even more than that, he's longing. Do you hear me? The Father's longing for you today. You know what the Father wants more than anything else? More than he wants us to have good church services and more than he wants you to come in and bring your tithes and offerings and worship and celebrate. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to climb up in his lap. Pastor, I'm too old. to. No, you're never too old to climb into the lap of the Heavenly Father. He's longing for you. God's waiting for you. To open your mouth and to talk to him and to come to him and to bring all the cares of this world that you've been carrying. But greater than anything else that he looks for you and he longs for you, I'm going to tell you, you can't beat this one. He loves you. I wish I had the words and my vocabulary to articulate the love that God has for you. But since I don't have the words, all you have to do is go to the hill called Calvary and see a cross there and see a man with a beard that's been plucked 
and see a man hanging there on a cross with a crown of thorns buried deep into his brow. And see a man hanging there with strips of flesh literally falling to the ground because of that whip that had been placed on his back and had tore his flesh from his body. See a man with spikes driven into his hands and to his feet. See a man with blood dripping and oozing from every pore of his body. See a man who looks down at the Roman soldiers who had inflicted all that pain upon him and at any moment could have called for 10,000 angels to come and rescue him. Here's what he said as he looked at them. Now keep in mind, while he was divine, he was still human. And yes, there was divinity hanging on that cross, but he was experiencing the pain that any human would experience on that cross. And with the pain coursing through his body, he looks at those Roman soldiers. You know what he said? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. We've got a 33-year-old bloodied, mangled man hanging on a cross that would look at the men that had done this and say, Father, forgive them. And some of us struggle to forgive someone who said something about us. And if that's not a picture of a loving father, I don't know what is. I'm here today to tell somebody that you've made up in your mind and you've determined there's no way that the Father could ever love you. There's no way that God, the Father, could ever love you because of what you've done and the life that you've lived. I'm here today to tell you that the Bible declares that He loves you with an everlasting love. Love. And he died to tell you that he loves you. And somebody today, listen, man or woman, boy or girl, teenager, the love of your father, your earthly father, is something that you may have never experienced before. I don't know what that feels like because. My father and my mother, we lived in a very normal, functional home. They cared for us, took care of us, did all they're supposed to do, affirmed us, encouraged us. When I talked to my dad this morning, he'll be 71 in July, and he was encouraging me and affirming me and telling me how proud he was of me. I don't know what it's like to have an absent father. I don't know what it's like to hear the words of a father say you're useless. You'll never amount to anything. I wish you were never born. You disappoint me. I'm sorry that I'm even your father. I don't know what that feels like. Never had that before. 
Some of you have. I'm scanning this congregation today, and some of you know what it's like to hear the words of an earthly father say, I wish you were never born. You know what it's like to hear the words of an earthly father say, you disappoint me, I'm ashamed of you. You know what it's like to have an earthly father be absent, never be at those important moments, didn't come to little league games and peewee football games and band concerts and choir concerts. You know what it's like to look out there and not have your father there. I want to tell somebody today that even though you may not have had the earthly father that you've wanted and longed for, there is indeed a heavenly father today that loves you, that longs for you, that's looking for you, and more than anything else, he wants to have a relationship with you. And if you're looking for love, stop looking in all the wrong places. You can find it today in the arms of a good, good father. Lost things matter to him. Bow your heads for a moment, please.